Welcome to another episode of the Hoop Talk Podcast by fans for fans. I'm Ryan. There's my guy, Jalen. What's up, everybody? This podcast is where we discuss all things basketball, so expect a lot of hot takes, debates, and a true display of basketball knowledge. Let's get right into it. Our topic today is talking about the G League Part 1. And of course, we cannot talk about the G League without the creator of G League TV, and he's done some pretty big things since we've talked to him, so we're very grateful we can have him back on. Please welcome Jeffrey Sosa. Hey, I appreciate you guys having me back, man. I love the conversation last time. I love talking to just hoop fanatics, and you guys are hoop fanatics, man. Hey, Jalen, we shouldn't waste any more time. We should really get started. Yeah, bro. So, I mean, for people who don't know, Jeffrey started G League TV on Instagram, and it's been one of those pages within the NBA community that's blown up over the last, I would say, last year or two, right, Jeffrey? Yep. And it's been one of those things that's focused in on a niche group that is starting to get buzzed now. And basically, we lean on Jeffrey for G League Talk as the main guy, not only because this is somebody that we've already talked to before about this stuff, but because now... He is very up close and personal with the G League. It's something that we weren't able to talk about um, too much the last time we had, it on, had him on. So I'm actually going to pass it over to Jeffrey to kind of talk about that because, my dude, it's been a minute since we had you on. So what, what are the endeavors, my guy? What has it been like the yeah, last couple been, of months or so? It's been crazy the last couple of months. So, you know, last time we talked, I remember telling you guys, hey, listen, I have this, you know, this page and it's been doing really well over the past few months or whatever. And I remember saying we ended the podcast by saying, you know, I told you guys I would do anything to work in the G League. You know, that was my goal from kind of day one. And when I started the page, that was always a thing where I followed the G League more closely than I did the NBA. And my goal was, you know, if they needed a dishwasher, if they needed someone to sweep the floors of the office, I was I would do it, you know, just to, <laughs> anything to kind of get in that building. And uh, maybe about a month or so, maybe a couple months or so after we talked the first time, actually, I was reached out to by the G League um, to actually work for their digital and social media team. And of course, you know, I was not going to deny that opportunity that the first opportunity was actually they said, you know, we only need help for about three months. Right. And I was like, OK, so that's cool. Whatever I can do to get my foot in the door. And so I moved to New Jersey, uh, spent the first three months working at the NBA office in, in uh, Secaucus, New Jersey for the G League. And um, and then I recently just got um extended. So my three month contract got extended for about a year. So now I'm on, you know, hopefully it's a year after that. And then maybe after that, who knows what's going to happen, maybe like full time or whatever. But it is, you know, a really cool job. Um, we go to pretty much all like the marquee games. We went to G League Showcase. Uh, we're going to All Star Weekend in a couple months or whatever. We're going to maybe even like the NBA draft. It's just like they take us anywhere. I've been to Vegas for the first time. I went, you know, in December, early December, then mid-December. So I've been able to see some really cool things that before, you know, I couldn't even imagine. And on top of that, yeah, I was telling you guys before the show started, I have these few things I wanted to show from the G League showcase. We had, you guys saw, we had uh, the players. We had a, a, a content day where they came in and um, we had, to do all these things like activities that we filmed and whatever, just for social, for TV and things of that nature. And one of the activities was we had the players draw portraits of themselves within five minutes, right? And some were really good, as you'll see, and then some were just god awful. And to tell you the truth, the worse they were, the better. You know, the worse they <laughs> are, the funnier it is, you know? Um, but this was the best one in terms of just the artistic ability. This was 
Can you guys see that? Yes, yeah. sir. Oh my gosh. <laughs> wow. How was Josh? He did this in five minutes. You know, I, wow. I was actually really, really impressed. And then this one is my favorite, which is Leangelo. <laughs> right? <laughs> Leangelo. The, the cool thing is that so after all the players were done, they signed it and they took the, you know, they took a picture with it and stuff like that. But Leangelo's is funny because he's missing an arm, as you can see, you know. <laughs> and it was hilarious because before the activity started, I was like, Can you draw it all? And he goes, yeah, I designed some of my own tattoos. So I thought, oh, perfect. This guy's going to drop a masterpiece. It ended up being looking like that. And then there was uh, this one right here. That was funny. This one, Zaire Wade. Dude, oh, my gosh, bro. That was the one that killed me. Yeah. <laughs> Zaire Wade. And what are some other ones? This was uh, Brandon Knight right here. You know, his was a little weird looking. But, yeah, it was just a really cool overall experience. And uh, I've been able to do that. And, um. Uh, it's been like uh, kind of my dream was what I was working towards when I started G League TV was kind of doing this. So it's been really fun. Yeah. So um, for anybody that's an audio listener for this, we're going to actually post a clip for this for you guys to see it on Instagram. But you can also just check out the G League page in terms of that segment. It was something that had that they had going on for Media Day, like Jeffrey mentioned earlier. Easily one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen. Honestly, the outcomes, like Jeffrey said beforehand, honestly is probably what made it more fun um because it just goes to show you i think it shows personality right i mean obviously the art the art doesn't have to be good to show the aspect that these guys just kind of want to be more transparent and media day obviously gives them that opportunity you mentioned being able to see and do things that you haven't been able to experience before what are some of those things like like what Jeffrey, walk us through a little bit of like a day in the life circumstance for like what you do for the G League or even just what you see on a day to day basis within the G League. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, you know, not every day is going to Vegas or going on trips to see the marquee game and stuff like that. And tell you the truth, it looks like that on Instagram. Like if you go on my Instagram, it just <laughs> looks like I'm, you know, here and there. But most days it's more just like in the office. Um, I'm in my home in uh, in Maryland right now, but typically I'm in New Jersey. So, you know, it's like you wake up and then you see you see like what's on the plate in terms of, you know, who's been the top performers from the alum side, who are the top performers from, um, you know, the G League side. You may it's like a mixture of like making mixtapes for them, um, you know, doing interviews with them. Uh, we have a G League show that we work on every week. And actually, I started on the G League show behind the scenes so i was like kind of the guy that would gather all the information make the highlight films stuff of that nature and then randomly they asked me to co-host a show because the regular co-host couldn't make it right and so i was like oh on the fly i was like yeah sure i'll do it and they said yeah we're interviewing isaiah thomas and so just randomly i was asked like the night before then that morning we interviewed isaiah thomas that show went really well and they ended up bringing me on the show for like a full-time role so you know every wednesday if you guys uh want to catch it every wednesday stream live on twitter and on facebook the g league show and i'm on that every week so you know it's a lot of things it's even working with like sponsors um who sponsor the g league and um working a lot collaborating with you know promoting the ignite team because that's a big thing of the g league as well so it's um it's a lot of like collaborations. It's a lot of just trying to find different ways to make sure that these guys who don't really get too much attention are being seen and are being heard, you know, um, because it's it's good for our league when these guys blow up, of course, but it's also great for their careers, which is most important, too. 
Yeah, and so this is where we're going to start to kind of focus on the basketball aspect of the G League and dive a little bit deeper in this. Um, Ryan, I'm going to start with Jeffrey, but I want to get your thoughts on this as well. Jeffrey, from an up-close and personal standpoint, one of the biggest storylines this year in the NBA, let alone the G League itself, is call-ups, right? right? It's been one of the most most uh, coveted things I would think you would like gravitate towards in terms of when you get something to pop up on Bleacher Report is this guy who got an Exhibit, exhibit 10 or this guy who's coming in for XYZ Games. Stanley Johnson's one of those guys most recently. Uh, Lance Stevenson's another one that comes up. Isaiah Thomas, who you mentioned earlier um, with Dallas. Just speak on your perspective, especially seeing the G League kind of grow into what it is. We're talking, at, we're talking about like over 100 call-ups so far this season. And, and for the G League year, the year's barely started. Right. So right. talk about the impact of the G League from the call-up standpoint and just what it's like to see these guys get a chance at that level. Because there, there's a lot of guys that are getting the call-up and are taking their shots and really making the most out of their opportunity. Kyle Guy's another guy for the Miami Heat who's only played two games with them, but really has showed out early. So, like, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's been huge for the G League. You know, one thing I always say is what gives the G League credibility is the guys who are balling in the G League then go to the NBA and do the same thing, right? That gives the league credibility because it would suck if these guys were putting up 27 per game in the G League and then going to the NBA and just thinking it up. You know what I mean? And then people would be like, oh, these guys can't really play at the highest level. But what we've seen with over 100 call-ups, I think we're at 101 different players this year. And you're right, the season just began on uh, on January 5th because technically before that was the showcase tournament. But with 101 call-ups, a lot of these guys, like you said, Kyle Guy and you know Cam Oliver, guys like that, are not only going to the league, but they're putting up 10 points a game. Brandon Knight, you know, uh, Greg Monroe, go in there, and they haven't played in the league in years and showing out. And it just shows that the league that we have and the players that we have are just so deep. Every team probably has – five or so guys that could play in the NBA, whether they make it or not. Every guy, every, I'm sorry, every team has maybe five, six players that could be a, you know, a two-way guy, could be a 10-day call-up guy, could be an Exhibit 10 guy. Um, and so it gives our league a lot of credibility. And like you said, it's just changed so many lives. It's changed over 100 guys' lives because at the end of the day, most of these guys only spent 10 days in the league, right? Most of these guys spent their 10 days and then went back to the G League. But as we've seen since the season began, they're coming back to the G League with so much more confidence, right? Because now they're in their head, they've been validated. Now I, I'm an NBA player. You know what I mean? I can play at the highest level. I've been there, right? So they're coming back to the G League and they're putting up maybe, you know, 25 points per game, whereas before maybe they were only getting 17, 18, you know? So I think it's been done wonders for these guys' careers. At the end of the day, a lot of them can just say they achieved their lifelong goal of making the league. What, whether or not it lasted 10 days or not. Um, and it's like, it's just, like I said, it's just changed so many lives that it's given all these guys opportunities that they probably wouldn't have had in a regular season. And so, Ryan, I kind of want to build off of that because, I mean, let's talk about some of the guys who have been able to really carve out space for themselves. You talk about like Stanley Johnson with the Lakers right now, right? He got a call up to the Bulls initially yeah. and then ended up on COVID protocol, which had me raging on the podcast when we were talking about my team struggling to even you know, fit a couple of guys to be able to play an NBA game. You talk about even in a lesser sense, like Gary, Gary Bayton, Payton II, 
he got essentially like called up right before the the NBA season officially started and essentially took Avery Bradley's spot as the last roster spot on Golden State and it's proven to maybe have been right in doing so from Golden State's management standpoint because Jeffrey, I'll come back to you about this a little bit later after I get Ryan's thoughts, but I think Gary Payton the second, if he played at least 20, 20 minutes a game, 20 plus minutes a game, could arguably be on one of the two all defensive teams. I think he's one of the best perimeter defenders in the NBA, not coming from the G League. I mean, as a legitimate NBA player, you talk about some of the guys who have built themselves up from the G League. Some are saying that Fred Van, Fred Van Vliet for All-Star is on the mind of some people. So there's been so many guys that have kind of built themselves up through the G League. So with all of that in mind, like Ryan, what are your thoughts on how impactful the G League has been this year? Because, I mean, this is easily the most upfront and personal the G League has been for casual fans and NBA fanatics alike. I think when you talk about the impact of the G League, it it, it goes back to last year, you know, like with the with the COVID protocols and everything that was happening within the NBA season, a lot of guys weren't playing. Um, you know, I remember the Philadelphia 76ers game where they only suited up seven players. And then the most recent game this season between the Nets and the Magic, where the Nets basically looked like a G League team on paper. And um I mean, you look at some of the guys that have been performing well this year. I mean, you go back to last year. Somebody that stood out to me was Armani Brooks. And Armani Brooks Great three-point shooter, um, you know somebody that can somebody. He's a catch and shoot three-point shooter. Uh, he's able to hit like he's able to get on a hot streak pretty quickly, and I think that's one of the things that really impressed me the most about his ability to basically be a sharpshooter from three. And um, you know another guy kind of in that arc I would say is Kyle Guy. You know, like like Jalen mentioned earlier, briefly. Um, I'll kind of get into it a little bit more. He just signed his second ten-day contract. Um, with the Miami Heat, and he's been performing pretty well. Somebody that shoots just over 51% from the field, 45% from three, definitely an impact player coming off the bench. I mean, you you talk about impact players for Miami in general, Max Struess and Omer Yurtseven, two players that really showed out in the summer league and now are getting a huge opportunity uh, with the Miami Heat. Max Struess has had a couple of games, a couple of really good games coming off the bench. Omer Yurtseven actually leads the team in blocks. So... Those are just four guys right now that have made an impact. I mean, you talk about Fred Van Vliet as well. Fred Van Vliet does not get talked about enough as an underrated guard in this league. And I mentioned, you know, people's, uh, I mentioned players' ability to shoot the three ball. He was a guy that came out of college being able to do that. Like, he was a solidifiable three-point shooter. Somebody that can take shots in the mid-range, very confident about his skill. Um, You know, you look at Gary Payton the second as well. Jalen, you mentioned it. Uh, Gary Payton is arguably one of the best defenders on the best defensive team. And like outside of Draymond Green as well, because Draymond Green has had a very solid defensive season. But Gary Payton, in limited minutes, doing what he's been able to do on the defensive side, has been impressive. So, I mean, you can go on and on and on about how many call-ups there have been, but, man, the impact is being felt right now. Yeah. Just real quick, guys, uh, it's kind of funny that you mentioned Omer Yurtsev. And first off, the Heat have done a great job of just finding these gems. You know, like you said, Max Strutz, Omer, Gabe Vincent as well, and then Duncan from a couple years ago. Um, they even have Casey Akpalu, who I'm pretty high on, but he hasn't gotten nearly as much run. But, you know, 
it's funny because last year in the G League bubble, Omar Yurtsevin was overshadowed by his two seven-foot teammates, uh, Alexei um, Pokashevsky, number one, because, you know, Poku was like the unicorn, right? So he yeah. got all the attention. <laughs> and then Moses Brown, right? Well, Moses Brown was all G League player last year, and he got most of the attention. And then it was like third Omar Yurtsevin. And then this season, it's crazy. Omar has been blowing up as of late. We don't see anything from Moses Brown. And we hardly see anything from Alexei Pokashevsky, you know. So it's kind of crazy how that is where, you know, these teams are really so deep and you never know where the hidden gem is. And so shout out to the Heat because they've done a great job of identifying these guys who have stepped up and have been huge rotational pieces for them. And so, like, to build off of that, the biggest thing, because something that you both touched on that I think is really important is the mere fact that they're being able to get guys that can plug and play. And I think that's really important when you talk about translation from the G League because. You said something earlier, Jeffrey, that I think is really important for most people who are maybe casuals to the G League, which is the idea of, well, maybe these guys are coming from a G League system where they can drop 20 plus points per game and then they get to the NBA and it's like, oh, they barely get any burn. Or when they do get in the game, they're like a two to five point per game type of guy and this, that, and the third. But there's actual productivity taking place, right? For Stanley Johnson, it might not be offensively, but from a defensive standpoint, as a one-on-one -on -one defender, you could argue right now Stanley Johnson is maybe the team's best perimeter defender. I think that's at least up for debate in terms of the Lakers' defense this year, especially because it hasn't been that great so far this year. You talk about a guy like Max Struess. Ryan was actually gassing Max Struess up before the year started. I'm talking about before the NBA season started as a guy coming out of, um, out of the summer league that could potentially not only get some burn with the Heat, but Max Struess has started a couple games, right, yeah. to allow Tyler Hero to come off the bench and do what he does. Max Struess has legitimately started and played well next to Kyle Lowry for that team. And playing big minutes with the fact that Jimmy Butler's been on the bench for, uh, for a while due to injury. Omir Yurtsevin, same situation when you talk about what happened uh, in the circumstances with Bam Adebayo and so on and so on. Anthony Simons went off ballistic recently um, against the Atlanta Hawks, right, in a game where they didn't have Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum, I believe. So you just see the productivity to the point that it's, it goes to something you said earlier, Jeffrey, about they get their opportunity and they know now that not only am I a legitimately an NBA player, but now I know what it tastes like and I want to stay there. And guys are playing like that. So something I want to get your perspective on, Ryan listed a lot of the guys that he named. I, I, uh, I've listed a few people too. But who are some other guys that have like stood out to you in terms of guys who have played well either you know during their call up or even just guys who have been playing so uh playing well so far during like the showcase for example is probably our biggest sample size so far so like during that time uh you talking about during the G League showcase yeah for sure yeah yeah so in terms of like the NBA level you know you named a you guys named a bunch of really good call ups from the past few years a couple of my favorite are Daniel Gafford on the Wizards you know Daniel I mean you know just us being hometown guys Daniel just his energy is relentless he it does a great job protecting the rim. He dunks literally everything, right? And last year he was huge when the Wizards made, you know, their little um, run to the playoffs and stuff like that. I know they didn't win or whatever, but he was showing so much promise as a guy who wasn't even really like a star 
um, in the G League. It was kind of an afterthought. He only played a little bit. And then another guy is Juan Toscano Anderson. You know, Juan was also a guy who wasn't a star in college, wasn't a star um, in the G League. He was a good rotational player. And he's gone from that to being a really, really great piece for the Warriors, kind of like Gary Payton II has been. Um, but in terms of the G League and the showcase, I mean, this past year, it's been crazy because with all the call-ups, a lot of guys who we probably wouldn't have thought of have been become stars in their own right, you know? Um, one of my favorites has been this guy named Paris Bass. I don't know if you guys have heard of him yet, but he was the two-time Puerto Rican scoring champion, and he was playing up in Puerto Rico up until about three months ago. Never played in the league, never played in the G League, um, tries out for the Santa Cruz, I'm sorry, tries out for the South Bay Lakers, makes the team, averages about 18 points a game. During the showcase, he averaged about 23, like 23 and 10, gets called up to the Suns, scores his first bucket, uh, gets the game ball, you know what I mean? And then there was a guy named Cat Barber, I don't know if you guys are familiar with him, but Cat was a really, really, really good player at uh, NC State, and then he ended up playing four years in the G League up until this year, which is his fifth year. And he's a guy that's always been like kind of like on the verge of being in the NBA, but maybe not quite good enough to get a call up. And then this year he started off the season on the bench because he was playing behind uh, Sharif Cooper, right? Sharif goes back up to the NBA. Suddenly this guy's putting up 25 points per game. He's, you know, dishing out six, seven, eight assists a game. You know, he's filling up the rebounding category too of like seven a game. And suddenly it's like, man, this guy is a legitimate NBA player. And after five years in the G League, gets called up to the Atlanta Hawks, you know? So there's so many stories like that from across the league where these guys have really filled a void for their teams. They've stepped up. And these are guys who weren't even really considered to be NBA players in anybody's radar. You know what I mean? Like, at the beginning of the year, you look at, okay, you go down each roster and you say, oh, this guy can make the league. That guy can make the league. This guy, maybe, you know, 50-50 or whatever. And then there's probably a list about, you know, eight or nine of them where you're like, they probably won't touch the league this year. But so many of them this year, because there's been so many call-ups, have actually – been in the league because you know even this year we've had three d2 call-ups this year you know we've had emmanuel terry from the d2 level get called up uh haywood highsmith get called up and Jalen morris got called up too you know what i mean and then we had craig sword who you guys saw with the wizards craig sword has been in the league for four years you know been in g league four years never averaged over 10 points a game you know but he's a guy who's always advocating for himself if you go on his instagram he's always like i deserve to be in the league i have the defensive capabilities to be in the league but never got the call up um, his stats will not wow you, you know? So a lot of people would look at his numbers and be like, oh, you know, maybe he's not good enough to get a call up. But defensively, he is. You know, if you watch his tape, if you've been watching and following him across the G League, he certainly has been. And uh, he gets a call up too and plays for the Wizards and had like an eight-point game, you know? So, yeah, there's been a ton of guys throughout the league who have taken full advantage of um, the fact that there's so many open roster spaces. I don't know if I was answering your question, but you know, there's, those guys have been kind of like my favorite throughout the year, guys who we weren't expecting to make the NBA. Then they end up making the league and having an impact. Yeah, no, I mean, it definitely answers my question because you listed a bunch of different guys that I think have been able to do exactly what they set out to do with a G League opportunity. And this kind of takes me to, to Ryan. I'm going to have you both answer this question, but I want to get Ryan's perspective first on this we've talked about this before and i think we might have even discussed it when we had jeffrey on last time but i think it kind of has to be expounded upon further now that we're in the second year of the g league night um second real year i think of the g league not being um so under the radar anymore right i think it's at least a lot more front and center um than it was 
maybe even three years ago in comparison. And so, Ryan, it always brings me back to this, especially when you start thinking about guys like Scoot right now, for Scoot Henderson. And we'll, like I said, Jeffrey, we'll get into it in a little bit with the G League Ignite team specifically. But I look at guys like Scoot Henderson or I look at even Imani Bates, right, who still will have one more year of eligibility coming out of Memphis, where maybe if he doesn't stick at Memphis as, um, following this season, he has the opportunity to go and play for the G League Ignite team still. If that's something that were interest uh, that would interest him, so we have to ask the question of whether or not, especially from what we've seen from a productivity standpoint from the G League, whether or not the G League is starting to quickly, because I don't think it's slow anymore. If whether or not they're starting to quickly surmount the NCAA as a legitimate pro pipeline portal to create prospects for the NBA. When you talk about guys now, obviously from a G League Ignite standpoint, there's the Dyson Daniels, the Michael Fosters, the Scoot Hendersons, the uh, the Jaden Hardys. But I think it goes deeper than that now, right? Like even when you factor in undrafted guys, it's starting to become more of a thing where like you can go the non-college route, be undrafted and do damage in um, the G League and it can give you an opportunity. Kyrie Walker is one of those guys for the Capital City Go-Go who actually took that kind of route. So, like, what are your thoughts on that aspect of thing aspect of things? Because realistically, the the college game implemented NIL to combat the G League. I think at the end of the day, that's my thought process: is that they did this because they saw the G League was up next, as we would say. The only thing I think might have hit them by a by a blindside, I think, is that I think the G League came up too fast and now we have to ask ourselves is it even an even level playing field anymore with the way we've seen the guys coming out of the g league producing yeah it's tough because i think when you look at the impact of both college basketball and the g league you almost have to be impressed with how quickly the g league has has rose up because in such a short amount of time guys are getting called up from the g league and they're making an impact. We mentioned a lot of guys already, and you can use this season as an example because of the COVID protocols. You know, a lot of players are missing time, so they have to turn to not only their G League team, but also other G League teams to see if they can fill out their roster. So that quickly things can change. The thing with college is that, like, you can't automatically get picked up by the NBA, you know, and I think that's the thing with G League. The G League is the NBA's actual developmental system. That's where guys go to learn and improve their craft. That's where NBA teams and executives, they can look at players from these teams and they can just pluck them up and they can insert them into their teams. You can't do that with college. So, you know, you, you have your benefits of, you know, going to college, but also going to the G League. Personally, I think the G League is a quicker source to get to the league because if you go to college, the only way you can get uh, picked up essentially by an NBA team is if you get drafted or if you go undrafted, then you could sign with an NBA team. So I think it's easier to take the G League route to get to the league itself. And then, you know, with college, if you want to go to college and take the NIL deal, that's great. But I think you basically have to play an entire season 
in order to get to the league. I mean, when you think of Emney Bates, which is a good example, he's 17 years old and he still has some eligibility left. So he can use that year to go to the G League, which brings the G League more name value because Emney Bates is a great player. So it definitely has its its advantages of going to the G League. And I think in Emney Bates' case, I would not be surprised if the G League is his next route. Yeah, so Jeffrey, this is where I kind of stand, and I want to kind of get your perspective on this because within the last year, I think literally within the last 365 days, we've seen the landscape of NBA developmental leagues change significantly, right? I would say a year ago, about a year ago, we were talking about LaMelo Ball coming out of Australia, right? I mean, obviously not coming from Australia, but playing in the NBL. Um, you talk about the idea that now overtime elite is a thing. And there's a guy over there for John, uh, for people who don't know, John Montero, who is playing in that league as a guy who could be a potential first round pick in the upcoming draft. We know about the NIL stuff with the NCAA. And it feels like, again, like I mentioned earlier, it seemed like everybody was trying to get ahead of the curve before the G League got to smell themselves, essentially, got to figure out exactly who they actually are within this developmental space. And I think that even though it was only one year of like the Ignite program, I think it put everybody on notice in a way that has now helped uplift the entirety of the program, if that makes any sense, talking about the G League as a whole. So like, what are your thoughts on the G League in comparison to college now? And I know you're a guy that comes from both sides of it because you've worked with UMBC basketball as well. So you come from both, you know, both sides of the coin in terms of being close to both versions of the game. So what are your thoughts on like that aspect of things, especially now that NIL has a lot to do with, you know, where guys go to school if they choose to go to school? Right, right. Yeah, that's an interesting question. You know, um, you're totally right when you say the G League has kind of been the pioneers of that. You know, it's it's kind of weird because when people think about the G League, they don't necessarily think of like an innovative league, but it's been super innovative, right? I mean, we were the first league to have the coaches replay, um, the first league with a developmental system in the G League Ignite, um, you know, the first league right now to do the one free throw system where you shoot one free throw for either two or three points, you know, hopefully that speeds up the game is what they were trying to test out. And then maybe even in the future, they might be the first league to, to uh, kind of implement the Elon mending. I'm not saying that they're considering or whatever. I could just see them taking that step, mm -hmm. but in terms of college, yeah, it's been really weird because when you think about college athletes and their ability to make money, one thing is that doesn't get talked about enough is that you have to be in the 1% of college athletes to make any type of change. You know, I remember when it first came out that with the NIL that athletes could now make money. I saw people from UMBC, you know, from UMBC, small America East team, um, people who were in our conference saying like, I, I don't know if you guys saw the same thing, but during those, uh, those couple of days after it got released, they were had this like little graphic that went around. Instagram it was like, I'm a college athlete. Um, NIL allows us to make money now. Please hit me up and DM me for any inquiries. Yeah. Right. And I remember looking at that and I was like, yeah, maybe like Zion Williamson or like the Jalen Suggs or, you know what I mean? Or, or like Drew Timmy or something like that. Those guys are the type of athletes that would make any money off of NIL, not these 
low major, mid major type of players that don't really have any attention whatsoever, right? Ten thousand followers is not enough to you get you a bag, right? right? And so it put it puts athletes under this um maybe belief that now that they're allowed to make money that they will make money. But ninety nine point nine nine percent of them won't make any money, right? Um, so they're better off just going to college and just living life as a regular college student where you're broke and you're just, you know, you know, just kind of doing the same things that they were doing before. Um, but yeah, it's, it's certainly changed the landscape of it, you know, cause now, like you said, they're able to make money. Those who are able to make money can make money. And then with overtime elite taking up some talent as well, I know that they have some good guys over there too. You know, it, it, it gives the athletes so many options, so many more options. Um, but I would say this, like, you know. If you're in the middle of the pack, none of these options apply to you. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> if you're in the lower of the pack, none of these options apply to you. You really got to be in like, you know, the top 20, 30 um, players in the nation have any type of, you know, to reap any type of benefits, whether it's money-wise, fame-wise, in the, you know, with G League Ignite, whether it's Overtime Elite, whether it's at NCAA, you have to be in a, an elite company to order to benefit off of that. And so, yeah, it's it's really weird when you hear athletes talk about it because usually the ones that are talking about it aren't the ones who are, even have, are in consideration for any of it. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely an interesting concept. And it's one of those things that I think sounded really enticing on paper. Yeah. And it's one of those things that I think we're still trying to get our heads wrapped around. But I think that's similar to the G League Ignite program in terms of trying to figure out what it is. And that kind of takes me to where I want to ask you, especially because you got to spend uh, some more direct time with them in terms of like working around the team and things of that nature. What what are your thoughts or what, what thoughts on the G League Ignite program have changed for you? What are some things that you've taken away from this team so far from what you've seen? Because I know it was a really brand new concept for us last year. And seeing guys like Jalen Green go number two overall is huge. But I think we even discussed this a little bit. The G League Ignite program didn't tell us a whole lot last year, enough to really make a very strong, bold claim, right? Right. Jalen Green went second, but I think we always thought he was going to go top three, right? You talk about um a guy, we talked about him earlier, Isaiah Todd. He ended up going, what? I think he was like early in the second round, yeah, right? 31st, uh-huh. Yeah, so I mean, very first pick in the second round. So this is a guy that could have went to Michigan. Me and Ryan talk about this all the time. But like, what could have been different had he went um, to Michigan and done damage in the Big Ten, right? And comparison on and on and on. So like in year two, I feel like we have a couple more high profile guys. We have the Jalen Jalen Green accommodate and Jaden Hardy, who is very similar at play style. But you also have, like I mentioned earlier, Michael Foster, uh, Dyson Daniels so on and so forth, to kind of, like, give them a bigger hub of guys to really look at. So, like I said earlier, like, what are your thoughts on the G League team this year? Has anything about the G League Ignite program changed for you in terms of your thoughts on them and so on and so forth? Yeah, it's, like, it's kind of weird because, you know, I'm working for the G League now, and the G League Ignite team is, like, the G League's baby, right? (laughs) And so everybody who works in the G League is kind of, like, in love with the Ignite team. You know what I mean? Um, which makes sense. I understand why. It's something they built from the bottom up. But to tell you the truth, I'm not 100% sold on it quite yet, right? 
The reason why is, like you said, nothing has happened that has been out of the ordinary, right? We knew Jalen could have played. Jalen Green could have played at UMBC. He could have played for the <laughs> uh, the local Baltimore Community College, and he would have still been a top five pick. You know what I mean? Um, same with Jonathan Kaminga. Jonathan Kaminga could have played pretty much anywhere. He could have gone to a D3 team, and teams would have still been salivating over him, you know? Mm. Um, and then there was a couple of guys on Ignite last year who just went undrafted. You know, Principal Singh, who – uh, didn't really get much run run last year with Ignite. He went undrafted. Then Dacia Nix went undrafted. Um, Isaiah Todd fell to the second round. And he's done well, right? He's done well in the G League, and he's come back, and he's gotten some, you know, decent time in the NBA. But Jay, uh, I'm sorry, um, Isaiah Todd is a guy that, like you said, I think would have benefited just as much going to Michigan, right? Because they say, oh, you know, we're beginning to be a, a pro a year in advance. Well, that is true. Technically, you are a pro a year in advance. But let's be real. The way that um Jawan Howard runs his program at Michigan, right? He's running it like a pro program, right? There's nothing amateur about it. If he went to Kentucky and he's playing under John Calipari, Calipari runs his program like a pro program, right? So if you're playing for those top top tier teams, top tier universities, you're getting the pro experience even though you're an amateur athlete, right? And um so you're right. And in a lot of ways also Isaiah Todd was overshadowed by Jalen Green. He was overshadowed by Jonathan Kaminga, right? If he was in the NCAA last year with Michigan and then he shows out just one or two games in, in the tournament, suddenly he increases his draft stock by 15 picks, right? And maybe instead of going 31, he goes, you know, 16, 17, 18, something like that because he had a good run in the NCAA tournament. And then this year with the Ignite guys, you know, they've done well in spurts. Um, you know, they're hovering around like a 500 record or so every once in a while you look at them and be like, man, this guy's going to be really, really good. And then sometimes you look at them and you're like, yeah, he's okay. You know, I don't think he's going to be a star. So it's kind of hit or miss to tell you the truth. And I'm curious as to see what happens with these guys this year in terms of their draft stock, you know, Jaden Hardy, he was projected before the Ignite season started. He was projected as a top five pick right now that he's played you know, 15 games or so for Ignite, and their season's almost over. They're going on a little tour, but their season's almost over. Um, where does he fall in the draft after that? You know, is he still in the top 10? Is he still in the top five? Is he maybe more towards the 15 to 20 range, you know? Um, and then same with, like, a guy like Scoot Henderson, you know? Like, Scoot Henderson, he's the youngest pro right now. He's 17 years old. He's been killing it. He's been getting a lot of attention just because he is so young, and he's been putting up huge numbers for Ignite, you know? But sometimes I think, yeah, you know, if Scoot were to be playing for a top-tier college program, he'd probably be doing the same thing, and he'd probably end up a top-five pick as well, you know? So I'm interested to see, like, you know, where Jaden ends up after this year, where Michael Foster ends up after this year, same with Dyson Daniels. All these guys can play in the NBA. Um, it's just determining whether or not Ignite has really elevated their stock. And last year, I don't think it did. This year, maybe. Maybe I'll be wrong, but um, I think that's – the, the big thing for prospects moving forward, too, is seeing, like, hey, will Ignite actually help me reach the NBA, right? Or am I better off maybe going to college and still earning money there? Because, like I said, all these guys are five-star athletes. So they, they're the top 1% or top zero, uh, 0.01% that I was talking about that will make money either way. You know what I'm saying? So it's going to be interesting to see um, moving forward how much they help these prospects in terms of getting them to their ultimate goal. Yeah, I mean, that's the main thing. And Ryan, I kind of want to get your thoughts in on this too, because I mean, we've had a lot of time to think in between the last time we talked to Jeffrey about the Ignite team. 
And I think it's one of those things that as the talent pool kind of increases, it gives us a better sample size of the guys that we can take a look at from a draft board standpoint. And obviously, I mean, if you look at a lot of the draft boards right now, a lot of the G League guys are a lot lower. And I think that's just because of the fact that it might have a lot to do with the fact that they haven't been front and centered too much in comparison to some of these guys in college, especially with the fact that um, conference play has already started. And that does tend to dominate headlines from a from a competitive standpoint. And Jeffrey, you mentioned the whole thing about G League Ignite from the, the, the standpoint that like their season's about to end, for example, what you were saying, and then right. going on tour. That's one of those things where, you know, they're quote unquote disappearing at the peak of college yep. basketball, which is another thing to take into consideration. Yep. So like, like Ryan, what are your thought, thoughts when you factor all of that in? Because I think the G League Ignite program is solid. I think it's great. I think the educational value they provide also is huge because they don't just like let that go by the wayside to just turn these dudes into pros. They do want them to still be businessmen or have business acumen of some kind. Right. But from a draftability standpoint, it's still year two. And so we have to factor that in. But it, like like we said beforehand, there still is a really big question surrounding whether or not this is something that is going to produce pros. I think playing in the G League produces pros, but I wonder if going the G League Ignite route equals the same thing. I think go, I think being a part of the G League pro program is like being part of the one prep school in the county. You know what I mean? Like that's that's how I view it. It's being part of the one prep school in the county and it's the the school that gets all the the, the special treatment, but when rubber hits the road, you wonder whether or not they're built for it the way some of these other guys are so like what are your thoughts what are your thoughts on some of that yeah and you made a lot of great points with how solid the g league uh, ignite program has been in the first two years but i still think it has its flaws especially from a draft perspective it has its flaws because when you look at Jaden hardy i think the thing with him is that right now as i'm looking at espn's draft cast he's ranked eighth on their big board Jaden Hardy had the potential to be a top three overall pick before the season started. And he's fallen all the way to eight. It's not a huge drop. He's still a lottery pick, but still like that's, that's pretty noticeable. You look at uh, Marjan Beauchamp, 15th in the ESPN big board. You look at Dyson Daniels, 17th. You know, you can make the argument that like all of these players had the ability to be top 10 picks. Um, but now, especially in the boat, uh, in the case for Beauchamp and Daniels, they're, outside of the lottery picks. So how much is it doing, how much is it hurting their case for being a top 14 pick? And I think that's, that's the, uh, the thing that is really interesting about this. And then, you know, you, you kind of think about where they would be if they went to a top D one program. Does that benefit their case? Does that hurt their case? You mentioned Isaiah Todd with uh, Michigan jail. And I want to point out Dacia Nix with UCLA. Because yeah. absolutely, if Dacia Nix it went to UCLA, first round pick, solidifiable. Because like I think he went undrafted this year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think that that could do that. I think it does wonders for certain players. I think if you're a top prospect like Jaden Hardy, G League makes sense. College also makes sense. So you have multiple options. If you're uh you know if you're Dacia Nix or Isaiah Todd. Maybe going to Michigan or UCLA for a year, for basketball purposes, yeah, it could have been it could have been beneficial. But 
I think that's that's the interesting thing that we really are starting to see with this program. Like what other routes the players could have taken other than the G League Ignite program. But I think that's definitely something to point out for the future. Yeah, I mean, I think the main thing is with the early stages of things, it's going to be kind of difficult to make a strong case for or against the G League Ignite program. But I will say, nonetheless, that the rise of the G League is helping. I think it's helping the overall NBA as a brand because of the idea that this assumption or this feeling of there only being, I guess, 144 athletes or whatever the count is that are legitimately like NBA players and then knowing within that pool there's maybe only 20 guys, maybe 15 guys we we would establish as like legitimate, bona fide, life-changing like all-stars. It kind of limits the pool of talent that the NBA actually can take on. And I think the G League is given a chance for a lot of top-level basketball players to be in America and kill as opposed to going to like China or something like that to go do similar things. You can do it on a level where you're still a professional and you still have the segue to the NBA in a way that is a lot more closer in reach than if you're playing in a whole another country, getting having to get scouted once a month because scouts might not want to go all the way out to Germany or something to go watch a guy go play basketball, right? So I think that overall the 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 G League's huge significant turnaround, right? This is this is this is the G League for real, I think this year is like the true representation of what the G League was created for in general, I think is starting to kind of elevate the game as a whole. So, Jeffrey, with that being the case, we know we got to get you out of here because you got you got G League business to attend to. But we got a couple of NBA things, quick hitter style, that I want to go through with you. Sure. The first one is, right now, if the season ended today, your league MVP would be who? Wow. Um, it's a good question. You know, I think is that I base my MVPs on a little bit of a different criteria. Okay. You typically, it goes to the best player on the best team. You know what I mean? So I guess in that, from that perspective, it's like a lot of people have Steph as their number one, you know, but I always think of it as like, if you lost this player today, what type of impact would it have on the team? Like, would they just, you know, fall off the map? To tell you the truth, I do love John Morant in um, in Memphis, but at the same time, when he did miss those few games, they did play really well, right? Um, I guess if I, you know, I know it's not how I technically base my criteria, but if I had to guess who is going to win it, I think Steph is going to win it this year. So uh, me and Ryan are in the bandwagon so far that we think that Nikola Jokic has a legitimate like case. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people have him third in MVP in terms of their ballot. Um, yep. Me and him think that there's a legitimate chance with the historical season that he's uh, that he's so far played through from points, rebounds, assists, and from a PER standpoint. Like he his PER this year is better than Giannis's in his MVP year, and that's saying something considering the kind of athlete that Giannis is and the play style that he has, right? Um, that he right. plays with. So I think that's huge. I think his PER is also better than like two Wilt Chamberlain seasons, which is also insane. But like. Overall, I think that this MVP race is pretty, pretty dynamic across the board because KD's making a legitimate case. Me yeah. as a Bulls fan has DeMar in the top five. I don't know how you feel about that, but I got him in the top five as well. Right there. Yes, sir. So, um, yeah, but I think league MVP is going to be one of the most interesting um, topics of the year, just with the fact that, like, stats are boosted. And then, obviously, you throw on top of that with all the uh, – 
COVID stuff, guys are missing uh, missing games left and right. Um, next question is more of a like a nostalgia question to a certain extent. How do you feel about the Warriors now that Clay Thompson is back in the mix? And Ryan, I'm gonna end up asking you this question too because we haven't actually talked about this since Clay's return. But Jeffrey, it's been two years since we last saw Clay Thompson on the court before this week. So, a, what are your thoughts on just seeing Clay back on the court? And B, what are your feelings on the Warriors moving forward now that their core is essentially a whole now? Yeah, you know, I was so confident that we were going to see Clay Thompson in the Santa Cruz Warriors jersey for at least one <laughs> game. So dope. You know? So, because his brother Michael Thompson played for Santa Cruz and uh, and he played with Seth Curry, and so while Steph and Clay were killing it in Golden State. It was funny because Michael Thompson and Seth Curry were killing it in Santa Cruz for the Warriors. And uh, so I was so confident because he had a couple of stints, a rehab stints with Santa Cruz Warriors. And I was like, oh, there's no way he's going to, you know, not play at least one game, right? Maybe one game, get his feet under, get his feet underneath of him, score 25 points and always ready for the league now. Right. Mm -hmm. But then it did end up happening. It was really great to see just because I can't imagine what you would deal with mentally being an athlete and so much of your self-worth is based upon how you play and if you're able to play you know what I mean and your physical capabilities so I can't imagine what you go through as an athlete when you not only miss one season but you miss two seasons in a row you know what I mean off of off of like a freak accident I mean when Danny Green was attempting his uh to block his shot that's probably something that he's done a million times before that landed fine and so it was just that one instance which really changed the trajectory of his career but um you know like I said I from a human side, it was great to see because I know that these last two years have probably been really, really hard for him mentally. Yeah, and so, Ryan, from that perspective, I think the other thing, too, is we're starting to see the progression of medicine in the NBA, right? There's the boogie cousins of the world where you have to see the tough injury aspect of it, where you might not see the the elite-level version of that player ever again. And then you have the Kevin Durant, and now we have Klay Thompson. So now we're starting to slowly move towards the idea that maybe coming off an Achilles isn't as terrible as it was once in the past, right? Beforehand, the only guy that we had legitimately as a sample size was Dominique Wilkins, a freak athlete. So it wasn't even a great guy to base any type of medical history off of. But what are your thoughts about Klay Thompson's return? Got bouncy in his first game back to prove the legs was cool. Yeah, I'm a huge fan of Klay Thompson's game, and it just seemed like he fits seamlessly back with the Warriors. And I think when you talk about where they rank in the NBA – if they're not the best team, they're the second best team. And I think with how, with like I said, with how seamlessly he's fit in, I think the Warriors are championship favorites for sure now. And they've gotten increased, they've gotten even better now that Clay Thompson is back and they were already a great team. So just to talk about his impact, like it just, he just fits right in. It works. Yeah, I mean, seeing Clay back on the court is huge in general. I mean, having a season without Kevin Durant was weird, but having a season without Clay Thompson on the on the Warriors just felt like mad awkward. So I think seeing him back on the floor is huge. And going into All-Star break, I'm sure he's going to get himself into form. Jeffrey, last question. It's kind of a two-parter as a way to segue ourselves into ending the pod. What are some of the things you're most excited for in terms of looking ahead to the G League, I guess, regular season now? And talk to us a little bit about some of the things that, you you know, you're doing, you know, in terms of plugging any content again, you know, in terms of you were talking about the G League show and some of the stuff you're doing for the G League page and, of course, G League TV as well. Yeah, for sure. I think I'm most looking forward to seeing who gets that call up next. 
you know, we've had 101 players who have earned the right to go and call themselves NBA players. And because the season has just started, you know, we're maybe three or four games into the year. I'm guessing maybe 50 more guys are going to get the call up to the league, if not more, right? Um, This is not a thing that's going to end in terms of teams needing replacement players to fill a void for 10 days or so, whether it's 10 days, 20 days is a two-way. So I think we're going to see a lot of guys who we probably wouldn't have expected at the beginning of the year to be NBA players. We're going to see them make that jump to the NBA because so many teams need replacement players. So I'm looking forward to seeing more guys get opportunities in the league to fulfill their dreams. And then I'm really looking forward to seeing where the Ignite guys go in the draft, like we said before. You know what I mean? Is Jaden Hardy, is he going to stay in the top five or is he going to be more towards, you know, maybe 6 to 10, maybe 10 to 15 range. Um, where are Dyson Daniels? Where is um, Michael Michael Foster going? Guys like that. So I'm interested to see like where they go in the draft and how much Ignite is responsible for them falling or, or gaining stock in the draft, right? And then, you know, as far as like what I'm doing and stuff, the G League show, the weekly G show is every Wednesday at 6 p.m., Everyone at 6 p.m. on Twitter, stream live on Twitter and on Facebook. It was stream live on YouTube, but I think they're going to stop YouTube and then head over to Twitch. So I think in the future it's going to be on Twitch. But as for now, on Twitter and on Facebook, 6 p.m. on Wednesdays. And then, of course, you know, follow the main G League accounts because all that stuff is myself and another guy. We post all that stuff and we create all that content. And then, of course, G League TV, which is my baby, right? So, you know, we're almost at 60,000 on G League TV. I think we're at uh, 59.5 right now, which is crazy because just a year ago, I had about 12. Mm-hmm. And because a year ago, I had about 12, and then the bubble took off. And be, thank God for Kevin Porter Jr., Jeremy Lin, right? <laughs> Jalen Green, all those guys caused my page to just really explode in a way I wasn't expecting it. And then again, more towards this year when the, the season started back up, uh, kind of the same thing has happened. So, you know, uh, we're going to hit 60 soon, and maybe one day we'll hit 100. So we're just going to keep growing on there and growing on the G League side as well. Yes, sir. When it comes to the G League page, G League TV page, honestly, one of the best follows in terms of NBA content, hands down. That's how I, that's literally how I prepared for this podcast for people who are wondering, like that's the go-to. In terms of uh, the weekly G, they also do post the episodes on YouTube after they go they go live. So if you ever miss them, you can still tap in, give my boy, give my boy a look at least. And Ryan in general, Ryan Jeffrey, it's going to be great to keep up with the G League all year. This is going to be our first season of trying to like really zone in on them as the hoop talk podcast and it's only right it's only right that we start the season i'll talk to the homie jeffrey about some g league but ryan solid episode as always my dude get us up out of here we want to once again thank jeffrey for coming back on the pod taking time out of his busy schedule to come talk about the g league with us and also help our man jeffrey get to uh verified on instagram for the g league tv sir Yes, Please. I need to be verified. At least G League TV. I, my personal one, I don't care about my personal one. Get G League TV verified. <laughs> yes, sir. So as instead of a question, let's make it a motivation. Help Jeffrey get the blue check for the G League TV page. Yes, sir. And- I love it, Ryan. Let's go. Drop. We're going to drop all ads in, uh, in the description. If you don't do anything... From this podcast, if you don't if you don't listen to the whole thing and you only catch the back half, if you don't repost it, you don't share whatever the case is, at least give my dude a follow. Best yeah, give, follow you're doing is sixty. Help me get to sixty thousand. Yes, sir. <laughs>
help Jeffrey get to 60,000. Everybody keep up with the G League season. It's going to be an exciting season. Everybody also watch out for those call-ups. We'll see you guys next episode. Peace!